really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the pod that brings you news, reviews, and so much more, including some great interviews each and every week of the year. Of course, and as always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game all over the globe. So this is the second installment of four big interviews I've got lined up in what I'm uncreatively calling the Week of Interviews. Uh, As my regular listeners know, one of my goals here at the Scrum of the Earth is to get as many points of view and as many voices from all across the planet to come and share their insights, their thoughts, their long views on the game. So the week of interviews will feature voices from three of the so-called home nations, including England, Scotland, and Ireland, as well as a voice from down under. Uh, The first one has already dropped, just in case you missed it. The England voice is, of course, the lovely Harry Barlow, current Free Jack and all-around incredible guy. That one just dropped uh, this evening, so be sure to check that out. Our second one uh, is going to be a voice from Down Under, and I just can't wait. Uh, Please, thanks for coming along, and stay tuned for all the rest. It's going to be great. So, friends and listeners, today's guest is joining me all the way from Australia, where he maintains a YouTube channel, among many other platforms. I mean, the guy is a force. I can't imagine what he does in his spare time because he clearly doesn't have any. Uh, He is, of course, the prime mover behind the BKR Sport YouTube channel, as well as the Rugby Down Under podcast, a man you probably know as Blaze. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, not too bad, man. Obviously, very hectic time with all the rugby going on right now, and that's what we absolutely love here, man. So uh, now I'm going all right. It's early morning here in Australia and uh, ready to kick on for some rugby talk, despite the fact that obviously Australia did lose to Scotland over the weekend. Couldn't have been fun. Well, I mean, we are going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, I know I got you up kind of early this for this, so thank you very much for taking the time and agreeing to coordinate our very different schedules. It, it wasn't easy. Man. Absolutely, so, so good. My plan had been originally to have a nice long chat, like an, uh, to do a nice hour with Blaze, but as I said, the 15 hours difference makes some logistical things, and so it is going to have to be short. Uh, I'm going to have to go get my son in about 20 minutes, but I think we can get some good stuff out anyway. Yeah, too easy, bro. So before we get started, tell, tell me about your work. Tell my listeners about your work. You've got multiple platforms. You cover a lot of sports, not just rugby. <laughs> so tell my listeners, where, where are they going to find you and what can they expect when they do? Yeah, so I'm BKR Sport on YouTube. But when I say YouTube, I do Instagram and, and uh, you know, I've got the Rugby Down Under podcast and whatnot as well. Uh, but specifically with the YouTube, obviously, yeah, I cover Rugby Union, NRL, Rugby League. Uh, you know, we do NBA. I love my Chicago Bulls. I uh, love my Chicago Cubs and NFL and whatnot. We do the football as well. So pretty much literally my channel is about everything in sport. And, uh, you know, if you're a multi-sport lover like myself, you're not going to be disappointed because we're just pumping out videos, pumping out live streams. We sit there, we talk to you guys throughout the game. You guys shoot through your questions. There's a bit of banter involved. And, you know, we just have a bit of fun while the games run, especially with the international rugby and how they go straight for about, like, I guess, 10 hours or so on that uh, Sunday morning for me. It's just so much fun. And, um, yeah, so that's Big House Sport. But also, obviously, I do have the Rugby Down Under podcast with my friend, the Kiwi Lab. Uh, he's obviously from New Zealand. I'm from Australia. So we've got that rivalry there. And we just talk about 
you know, rugby international, whether it be Tonga, Australia, Fiji, England, the USA, uh, your USA boys, uh, literally everything from Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere, and just have a good time, man. So it's not even on my list here, but you, you did mention the Chicago Bulls. Um, did you watch The Last Dance? And what did you think? Oh, Chicago Bulls. Mate, I've watched everything in regards to everything Chicago. I'm obsessed with that city, man. I went uh. there and I traveled, I traveled there for, I was there for three months uh, back wow. in 2019. And uh, I went to all the Bulls games and I love the Blackhawks. I never expected to get into the hockey when I was there, but obviously we don't really have ice or snow down here in Australia besides in some parts and um, where I'm from is the Gold Coast so that's a very sunny place and there's no no snow so hockey was never really a thing but I really got into it when I was there went to the Cubs and whatnot so yeah no I've watched The Last Dance it was a absolutely fantastic fantastic documentary look I'm not obviously people automatically ask me LeBron or Michael Jordan I, I just love watching the both of them man obviously I miss mm. Michael Jordan I get to watch LeBron now I just appreciate greatness when I see it man sure well MJ is the reason I started watching really any sports so that that was Absolutely. I loved that documentary. I thought it was great. Um, so the first thing I always like to ask my guests is about their own what I'm calling rugby journeys. Um, but as as we've just mentioned, you're somebody who's passionate about a ton of different sports. Mm-hmm. So do you consider yourself on a, a rugby journey of sorts? Or are you more just on a, on a sports journey or maybe an athletics journey? Well, I, I personally believe that I'll be the, the biggest and the best sports content creator on the planet one day, man. So that's that's my belief that I'm continuously just going to keep growing myself and the fact that my passion will shine through to people to understand that I just absolutely love sport. I know, you know, I have, I can have a very quality conversation about literally any sport, right? So um, it doesn't matter whether it's rugby or NBA or, or um, Premier League football in Europe, even Italy football, uh, South American rugby, you know, I, I can cover pretty much everything. So for me, man, it's all just about myself growing and, and, and showing off the ability to understand kind of everything around the world because I love what sport does for the community obviously you can be so sad and then watch a game and then you can be so happy because of these you know 15 guys running on a rugby field coming out there and just having you know getting a win by one point or whatnot and you can be let's put put it this way depressed and then come out of it actually feeling a little bit happy for the first time in a very long time so that's why I really love the the ability of sport and the community and uh, it doesn't matter what religion you're from or what uh, you know ethnicity you're you're always kind of there for the one goal of that team to win so um yeah look I, I i i'm a big believer in that that's why i love sport i grew up playing sport literally played all sport played cricket rugby rugby league uh football water polo uh surf life saving literally everything man so yeah that's that, that that's kind of me just to just oh yeah i, I, uh, I caught that game. in one of your podcasts you, you you didn't just play water polo it was a, it was a big thing and you got you got pretty far yeah, I was. Yeah, I've made the the state level and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I love watching water polo, man. I love playing water polo. Water polo is actually my favorite sport to play, besides probably rugby. Probably besides rugby union, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. So on your YouTube channel, it mentions. So it says that you cover Australian and Fijian sports, and obviously in reality, you cover lots, lots more than that. But what is your connection to Fiji sports? Uh, so basically, my daughter's Rotuman. So Rotuma is a place in Fiji that is three days by boat. Uh, so I have a massive connection there because my mum lives there. My family's had a jet ski business in Fiji for a very long time. Wow. And also, uh, yeah, my daughter's uh, from uh, Fiji. So I obviously love Fijian rugby. That's why even when Fiji versus Spain on the weekend, I was absolutely getting behind the Fijians. Because for me, it's like Wallabies in Fiji are very, very... 
uh, tightly close in regards to my support. I will always support the Wallabies over Fiji if it came to a World Cup final because that is where I'm actually from. Mm. Uh, but I'll always want... I'll still be in a relatively win-win situation because, yeah, I just... I, I love Fiji. And I'm actually going back there in a couple of weeks' time. I'll still be doing my streams and whatnot and hopefully get some Fijian rugby vlogs out too. Oh, dang it. So, I, again, this wasn't on my, my list, but it, it, I just thought of it. I, I got to ask. The next iteration of Super Rugby is going to have the Fiji Moana Drua. Pacifica and the Fiji Drua. So what's your take on this? Cause I've heard a lot, you know, as a, as somebody who just watches super rugby, I'm like, yes, give me more, give me more these teams <laughs> yeah, are great absolutely. to watch, but I've heard a lot of sort of cynical stuff about, Oh yeah, well, New Zealand's only doing this as sort of a, a player grab. <laughs> they, they, they have this requirement that you stay here for this amount of time that just happens to qualify you for the all blacks. If we wanted to pick you for that, is it a cynical yeah. move or is it just good for the game? Well, that's more so to do with the Moana Pacifica. The Fiji and Drua okay. will, for now, they're based in Australia anyway, uh, but they'll be, they've got, so Fiji is a, has stadiums. So I've been involved with the Fiji and Drua since they were in the National Rugby Championship. That's my uh, super rugby team. Oh, I was, I'm from the Gold Coast, which would qualify for me to be kind of a Reds fan. I have been a Reds fan, but I haven't really been crazy into the super rugby because of how poor and this goes down deep into, you know, a topic in regards to Australian rugby and, and why we have, I guess, confusing feelings towards our own organization. Uh, mm. But yeah, I've been involved with the Fiji and Drua since they were in the National Rugby Championship, which is like the step down. It's, I guess it's like the MPC, uh, the NRC. Uh, no, it's MPC in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, MPC, yeah. So it's kind of like that. Uh, and now Fiji and Drua have made that step up. They did actually win that competition. And yeah, I absolutely love what they were doing there. And hopefully they're able to translate it. Fiji will be based in Fiji because they've got Suva, they've got Latoka, they've got Nandronga. Uh, I don't think Nandi will be used. Uh, so stadiums will be fine there. So that's not a New Zealand ploy. Uh, in regards to Moana Pacifica, yeah, you can argue it, but in the same sense, man, you, we we are like we know what New Zealand can be like. I love New Zealand, but when it comes to rugby, you know they've they've, they've definitely got their uh, domination issues. I would personally say <laughs> that's a great way to put it. But like, you know, they're, they're quality for a reason. They know what they're doing and you've got to respect the greatness like I was using with that LeBron versus Jordan kind of debate. And uh, it's just about, about respecting the greatness. And uh, look, I think that the Moana Pacifica is still a great idea. It will give a lot more of a um, growth pattern for Tonga and the Cook Islands and uh, Samoa and Nui maybe, you know, a couple of those unknown places in the Pacific. Uh, but Fiji and Drew is an absolute great way for Fiji to really improve. And as we know, we might be including Fiji into the rugby championship alongside Japan in the near future. Wow. I'd heard the rumors about Japan. I hadn't heard the rumor about Fiji. Hmm. Yeah, the both of them. I know that uh, the I know the coach or the CEO of Fiji Rugby came out and said something like, we're focusing on Super Rugby, not on the Rugby Championship. And it's like, that's cool. But we very much well know that you would not say no to jumping into the Rugby Championship alongside Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Argentina, Japan, and obviously Fiji. That'd be an awesome tournament. That'd be like basically, you know, the Six Nations up north, but obviously down south. Yeah, it, it would. It would make the whole, it would expand it a lot. It would change the complexion of the competition a lot, but probably for the better because it's been yeah, pretty similar the last few years. And just quickly too, like Argentina, before they came into the rugby championship, man, you should see what they were like. They weren't great, man. Argentina weren't great before they came into the rugby championship. And then because they were able to compete against the likes of Australia, New Zealand and South Africa on a very regular basis, Obviously, you know, I'm a Southern Hemisphere fan. I'm going to tell you, Australia have won two World Cups. New Zealand won three World Cups. South Africa have won three World Cups. And England have won one. And that's all the World Cups. So that means that, you know, the Southern Hemisphere has won eight out of the nine World Cups. So Argentina are coming up against the three best teams 
in the history of rugby. And that's why they've improved to a point where they are now a legitimate, potentially tier one team. Uh, it's, it's kind of on the brink, but overall they do get their results from time to time. And if you add in Fiji and Japan, obviously I know the Japan result against Ireland this week wasn't great, uh, but they're still an up and coming team. And if you add Fiji in, obviously the Fiji and Drua is basically going to eventually be that Fiji team to utilize through the national team into the domestic team, just like Argentina used the Jaguares who unfortunately aren't there anymore. Right. Well, it was a few years ago. The uh, yeah, the Juarez made it all the way to the Super Rugby final, and then of course mm. got predictably stomped by the Crusaders, which, <laughs> which is, it almost seemed kind of unfair too. That the travel on them was so onerous that year, and uh, but it, it kind of feels like there's been a steady decline since then. I, I thought they they fought hard against France and almost got a rise out of France. I thought they almost got France to to blow their stack, and that might have changed the complexion of that whole match. Yeah, well, the thing, with, the thing with Argentina, unfortunately, and I've been saying this for years now when we speak about this on the Rugby Done Under podcast, is that Argentina now don't have that core base where they can have all their players playing in one team to get that rhythm and connection and, right. and fluidity going. So, like, yeah, it's great to have all your players spread out through, you know, France and, you know, I think Matera up in New Zealand and the players all over the shop playing a really good teams however they're not on the one team this is why fiji and Drua should be a very very good initiation process for fiji to really improve on the, the international level because they really can put all their fijian players into that fiji and Drua team and create what argentina kind of had however i believe fiji have the ability to be a lot better than what argentina were oh my gosh uh you mentioned Pablo and I was like, Oh yeah, where is he right now? It, it says that he's playing flanker for the Crusaders. If that's I was about to say Crusaders. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. They definitely needed, the, <laughs> they definitely needed the help. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, a t- they're, they're a tough team, man. They don't win much. <laughs> I know things are dire in yeah. Crusader land. Um, so um, we've already kind of talked about this too. Um, you are clearly an NBA fanatic. How, how did that start? Was it because you were a basketball player and you thought, I, I want to watch basketball and you just discovered it? Or did you seek it out? How, how did that come about? No, so I didn't really, I wasn't really a big basketball fan all my life. Like I got into it as a teenager, like everyone, I guess, does, especially overseas. Uh, you know, when you're from Australia, you don't have to support anyone. You can support whoever you want or you can support individual players because you're not connected to a city. So for basically, and I actually recently came out with a video about this on Big Hour Sport, is uh, how I became a Chicago Bulls fan. And I never really was a basketball player or, or a fan growing up, but I eventually just started tuning in uh seeing games watching LeBron play you know watching Derek Rose back in the Mm. day uh when he was at the Chicago Bulls and uh really going through even Donovan Mitchell lately and I just absolutely love the hype of it like look realistically the first three quarters they don't really matter especially as a Bulls fan (laughs) this year the the first three quarters don't mean nothing with with what the Bulls are doing this year but uh yeah man like I just uh I, I didn't really have a team and then when I went to Chicago uh, I was going there to vlog some games, whether it be Bulls or Blackhawks or Cubs or whatnot, White Sox. And yeah, the first game I went to was a, a Bulls versus 76ers and Ben Simmons was playing, obviously Joel Embiid there. So it was a really hyped team. A lot of people in Australia support Philadelphia. I didn't mind oh. Philadelphia, but because I was in Chicago, I was getting around the Bulls and uh, Zach Levine hit a game winning uh, layup with about a second to go. So uh, from then on, you know, I love that team, but I really just fell in love with the city of Chicago. And that's why, even though, as you know, I am a Detroit Lions fan, there is a video coming out. This is a sneak peek for you. Uh, there's a video coming out saying why I'm confused about what NFL team to support, because obviously I'm obsessed with the city of Chicago, where I love the Bulls, the Cubs and the Blackhawks, but I also have the Detroit Lions in the NFL 
And it's nothing to do with their quality, but I just really want to go for the Bears to kind of have that rounded support of all Chicago teams. So it's mm. very difficult for me. So I'm going to be uh, kind of weighing up that decision in the near future. Yeah, those are two tough decisions right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to make either decision at the moment. <laughs> well, <You know? laughs> things are dark in Detroit right now. Yep, and Chicago. So uh, there's a great video that I'm one of the things I'm going to include in my show notes, your video about going to see the Cubs on opening day at Wrigley Field. We already oh, chatted yeah. a little bit about that. And in the video description, you mentioned, I think you, you say it was one of the greatest experiences of your life. And I'm just curious, can you give me a better one? Um, Wrigley Field changes you. You know, I've said this in, in a video too of how I became a Cubs fan is that like Wrigley Field for me changes you like, the moment you walk in there, you see the culture, you see the historical value of it. Obviously, people having fun. It's a great time. I had previously been to Guaranteed Rate Field on the south side, and <laughs> they've got some stories about the south side in regards to going to those games. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, they're interesting stories. I can tell you that right now, but that's for another day. Uh, I've also been to San Francisco for a game there, and that was great uh, and all. But I was actually very sick that day. And there's a vlog on the channel, Giants versus Diamondbacks, and I was very sick and the Giants actually lost that. But overall, man, like Wrigley Field is is one of my favorite places to go because it's just a vibe. And you don't understand the vibe that I'm talking about until you go. Uh, you can be incredibly cold and still be so enthused by the game, even if you're down 4-0. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it just is. And it's, uh, it's that, that, that ivy on the wall, something about it. you see oh. it on TV and you think, oh, that's cool. And then you get there and you're like, oh, it's it, it, you, I know what you mean. It's different. Absolutely. I, my favorite place is the bleachers. So I love going to the bleachers. That's that's just where all the, the fun happens. Like, obviously, I've sat everywhere, but the bleachers is definitely my place. Uh, but if, if you're going to say, like, where I've felt a better experience, like, on par would be, I don't know if you know State of Origin uh, in Rugby League, uh, Queensland versus New South Wales. It, I'm is, aware of it. It, it, it. Finding Rugby League coverage in the United States is basically impossible. Well, you've got BKR Sport, mate. Don't you worry. You've got BKR Sport. That's for true. I finally found it. <laughs> exactly right so yeah look uh the state of origin between queensland and new south wales we absolutely hate each other uh it is basically the best players from new south wales versus the best players from queensland uh and they just come together for a, a three-game series across you know six weeks in the middle of the season and it is a slugfest man like you know, it is just back and forth. There used to be massive punch-ons and massive fights and whatnot, but they've obviously had to kind of take that away now with uh, the new way of life, I guess. So, um, but no, it is absolutely awesome. And another experience would be going to the MCG. Uh, MCG, the AFL uh, is just, because so, they've got 100,000 seats. They're 105,000, oh I think is the capacity. So wow. like, I was there for a Manchester City versus Real Madrid friendly. And uh, look, the atmosphere was fine, but that was because it was football. But when I've been there for Geelong versus Collingwood in the AFL, because I'm a Geelong fan, uh, 100,000 people there, it is just mental. And the, the, wow. it's crazy, yeah. So it's funny, you mentioned the rugby league. So last year, maybe it was two years ago now, it's hard to know. Um, <laughs> but there, there was talk about a cross-code match between the Wallabies and the Kangaroos. But I get the impression that talk just kind of comes around every couple of years. And no, then no, 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 no. It, it, it was the kangaroos and the All Blacks, not the kangaroos and the Wallabies. Was it? Okay. Mm. Um, is that something you ever see happening? I know it's happened once or twice in the distant past. Uh, is that ever going to happen nowadays? Uh, so basically, 
the reason why it's kangaroos and all blacks, by the way, is because the kangaroos absolutely wall up all the opposition in regards to rugby league. Like there okay. is no one even close. No one even close. New Zealand try, England try. Uh, you have Tonga and Samoa and Fiji and PNG who do kind of compete, but it's always the kangaroos with rugby union, the all blacks, obviously. We all know what the all blacks are like. They basically wall up the opposition as well. I guess you've got more competition outside of it, but overall, it's still the all blacks. Uh, so they wanted to have the best of the best here and the best of the best there. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that it would work because you'd obviously have to, like, let's be honest, you put rugby league players into a real scrum, they're going to get absolutely wallops. That's, that's going to get absolutely slaughtered. That's what I'm told. So, it's just that the size difference just would make it, would make it undoable. Well, you just have to really find the perfect rules to make it an even game because I'm not too sure what advantages rugby league really could take. Like, obviously, with rugby league, you run the ball up, you get tackled, you put the ball down, you roll it back. There's no ruck there's no maul there's no you can't reach over and try and grab it you can't there's nothing there you just go tackle and roll back and right. it's just back forth back forth back forth but rugby union is so free-flowing that obviously it changes so much so it's very difficult to think like would you do the stop start or would you do the ruck maul kind of situation so obviously we have to get to it at some point so that this past weekend Obviously, you more than anyone perhaps are well aware Scotland did manage to sneak out a very narrow victory over the Wallabies at BT Murrayfield. 15 to 13 was the final score in that one. So obviously the question is, how are you feeling now? And how are Wallabies fans feeling? It, it was the five game streak. And then this, it, it, is it a crashing to earth or is it a, okay, well, things happen. <laughs> no, so uh, I'm uh, myself and I know a couple of lads from the, uh, from the Pick and Drive podcast as well, and uh, who are Australian and uh, a few other Aussies who kind of know what they're doing. Like, if you're an actual Wallabies fan, you get this result. You understand it. But if you're a Wallabies fan who's kind of just jumped on the wagon with this five-game streak, yeah, okay. we beat Japan, you know, we beat um, South Africa and, and we beat Argentina. And the South Africa games were great, but in the same sense, there has still been issues throughout all five of these games. So one, what I'm trying to say is when, like, you're an actual deep down Wallabies fan, you understand that this was more than likely coming, uh, especially with the fact that we had no Cotton Betty. We had no uh, Reese Hodge. He's injured. Uh, right. We had no Quay Cooper, who James O'Connor had to come into the number 10 there. Uh, Nick White, I don't really think that he suits, but that's that's a choice. That's not really an excuse here. Uh, I personally blow Tate McDermott, but in the same sense, I guess that could be just jumping and chopping and changing too much there, especially head of England. I, I, do, um, you know, I we, do love Tate. I would take Tate to start every time. There's something about that guy he's just nasty yeah. and just yeah exactly right and then uh who else do we not have i think we put Kellaway back into the fullback position which meant that we changed up our winger now we changed up we had taniel tupper coming off the bench we had a really changed team and that's not me discrediting the scots i've for many years now been saying that scotland are improving greatly but i believe that if australia put out their strongest side there i do believe we win look there is some controversial calls in that game. Uh, the yellow card slash penalty, no try. Yep. Look, that is very controversial. Uh, but in the same sense, I'm not going to sit here and blame that on the loss. The first half, we just weren't good enough. The second half, I thought we were better, uh, but we just couldn't necessarily get the score. But yeah, like I said, some very controversial moments. Uh, we had a lot of players out and we still only lost by two points in Scotland, which is a difficult place to play. So here's the question I've been dying to ask an Australian. And so hopefully you're the best suited person I could possibly ask this. <laughs> what, what is your take on Quade Cooper? So I'll, I'll tell you from the outside, <laughs> it seems like he was basically persona non grata. It seemed almost like, you know what? You can even, don't even come back to Australia, buddy. And then 
maybe a month and a half ago, they say, okay, we'll call him up, he rejoins the club. And now, like last week when he's not going to be available, suddenly the reaction is, oh no, we're hopeless without him. We need him. How did yeah. he go from unimportant and uninvited to indispensable? It's a good question. Uh, basically, in Australia, this isn't just with sport, but in Australia, we have this ability to, if someone thinks they're too good, we'll remind you that you're not good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll remind you that you're not too good. You're good. Uh, you're a great player. It's like, it's the, the tall poppy syndrome. We have it with a lot of tennis players who start to get a really big head about themselves and the entire country will come together to put them back in their place and say, <laughs> listen, man, just kind of like play your sport. You're good at it. Uh, don't get an ego about yourself uh, because otherwise, you know, we'll... Like, like I said, we'll put you in your place. And that's exactly what happened with Quay Cooper. Unfortunately, he got a bit too big of a head about himself. Uh, he obviously has admitted to this as well. And he said that he's learned a lot from Sonny Bill, who used to be in a similar situation in New Zealand, actually. Uh, and with what he did in rugby league to rugby union and whatnot. Uh, look, Quay Cooper, I didn't personally believe as well. I said this on the Rugby Done Under podcast that I didn't necessarily believe that him coming back was going to be ultimately great not for the fact that i don't think he's good but i just didn't know and didn't trust that he was going to make 2023 world cup mm. because i always effectively say that i don't really care about tests too much i care about the world cup and these tests are basically just a way to understand where you are going into the world cup so that's why for me this scotland game it doesn't really grind me too much because i know that all the excuses that we potentially have and i also know uh that we will be a lot better in two years time but it just came down to whether quay cooper was going to be there and ready to go in two years time at that world cup a lot of the australian public like they don't know what they're talking about wallabies rugby has been down for 20 years uh, we haven't won the bledsloe cup in 20 years you know we haven't won the world cup since 99 but we still have that ultimate reputation that we are a number one kind of rugby nation. Uh, but we don't have that many rugby fans because we've got so many sports that we follow. So, you know, when you see the general public and the general consensus coming out and saying, oh, Quade Cooper, we can't do anything without him. It's like, we know that we're a good team even without Quade. We know that uh, the Wallabies, uh, we know what they're going to put out regardless. And he's not the be all and end all for us, but obviously he has had a very good I guess, last five weeks since he's been back or four weeks or five weeks, whatever it's been since the All Black series. And no, I'm, I'm confident with how Australia are tracking, but yeah, it's just the, sometimes you've got to really take the Australian public's consensus about rugby very lightly because a lot of them are just <laughs> jumping on it at a, at, a, at a different time. Well, there's just almost, a, almost like the exact opposite thing. Before he got hurt, it felt like James O'Connor was absolutely nailed onto the squad no matter what. And Absolutely. now I get, the, I get the feeling people have lost confidence in, in him. Is that just my perception or do you think that's fair? I think, I think it's because they're very short-minded in a sense. You know, they see what they're seeing now and they don't, they don't remember how O'Connor has been in the past. And now because of one game, they're probably off him again. You just have to kind of look at what happened previously. Like you've got to remember everything. You've got to remember what you're feeling beforehand, feeling afterwards. Like, look, I personally think that Quade Cooper right now is the guy for the spot. Uh, I obviously love James O'Connor and I think he's probably a better kicker for us because uh, Quade Cooper has been terrible since that one game against South Africa. <laughs> but uh, like he's been terrible kicking wise in regards to kicking through the pose. And that's our biggest problem. Our biggest problem with the Wallabies as well is actually our goal kicking. That's why everyone went off Noah Alessio because Noah Alessio is actually a pretty good player, man. He's actually a pretty good ball runner. But unfortunately, he couldn't kick from right in front of the post 20 minutes out, 22 minutes out. That so was people a bad were day. like, that was a please day. get it. Exactly right. Please get out of my face. Please get out of my team. That was just ridiculous. He's actually been brought into the squad to kind of, I guess, make up for that with the no Quay Cooper, whatnot. But 
Uh, yeah, look, I think that people are forgetting how good James O'Connor can be. I believe James O'Connor will probably be the 10 when it gets to the World Cup, unless Quade Cooper can obviously pull himself through. Well, another guy whose perception goes up and down quick. You mentioned Reese Hodge. I feel like <laughs> whenever Reese Hodge is starting a match at fullback, every Aussie fan is saying, oh, no, no, not him again. And then he gets hurt and everyone's like, oh, crap. Now what? I for, So for anyone who listens to my content, they would know that I have a love-hate relationship with Reese Hodge. And the reason <laughs> being is that I actually think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's a very good player, very good kicker on the field. Just reiterating, on the field, kicking it. Uh, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a good ball player for, a, for number 15. And I actually really do like Reese Hodge as the fullback. He's actually my preferred fullback. For, for, he, he, he is. But, and this is a big but, if you watched last year's rugby championship plus the Blairslow series, we actually would have won that rugby championship. And also, we actually would have won a game in New Zealand if he knew how to kick a clutch kick. So I don't mind I don't mind him kicking in general, but if it comes down to a kick in the last five minutes of a game, if he even looks at the tee, I'm gonna I'm gonna projectile vomit man. Because honestly, he missed one against New Zealand, which I can grant because it's a windy place there in Wellington. He missed that one from 50 out uh, yeah. to win the game. It was a draw. And then we went to we had two games against Argentina and both games were a draw and he had on the 50, 40 meter line and 50 meter line, he had two kicks, one kick on the siren in the second last game and one kick on the siren in the last game and all three throughout the entire series, he missed. So I don't want to ever see that man near a kicking tee when it comes to the clutch moments, but I like him as a player and I like him as a kicker outside of that. I wonder, maybe you should do an Eddie Jones and, and have a finisher who's ready to come in for him just to, for those clutch moments. Oh, well, James O'Connor's the guy who can kick it. He's, he's broken the hearts of South Africa and also Scotland before. So, as we've talked about, the, the Wallabies had won five straight, including those two crackers against the Springboks. But mm. then this, this weekend, they lose to Scotland, who are rated seventh. And now they've got England and Wales next, two opponents ranked significantly higher than Scotland. So, what are your expectations going into the next couple of weeks? Yeah, the world rankings are a little bit messed up right now, uh, in, a, in a way. Like, you got to really look at those world rankings and, and get a bit of perspective. That's not me saying that to you, by the way. It's just kind of like me saying in a generalized yeah, yeah. sense that the world rugby rankings are quite perspective-based because, for me, Fiji are definitely not 11th. I, put, I would put Fiji above Japan. I would put Fiji above Argentina right now. Uh, yes, they struggled against Spain for a little bit, but that's the Fiji and Russ that we always see at the beginning of a game. Uh, and then they came home and absolutely pumped that, you know, I truly believe that France are not fifth. I think that once they have their full team in, they're probably actually third. I don't rate England as much as everybody else does. I think they've mm. definitely regressed since previously because they struggled against your boys, the USA, a couple of months ago where they only won, I think it was 43 to 32 or something like that. And with all due respect, for the, for the Eagles, that was, yeah, we were proud of that. That was a good moment for the Eagles. Absolutely, man. Like with all due respect, you shouldn't be giving up over 30 points to, uh, the USA team, and obviously, you know, I don't want to refer to the New Zealand game, but New Zealand didn't obviously give up that 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 points and scored quite a bit. So, uh, you know, so yeah, that's, the, the Kiwis were okay that day, I guess. You know, yeah, they weren't they weren't too bad. And the funny thing is, is that people actually say yeah they weren't at their best, but they still obviously hit the ton, which is crazy. But we won't speak about that because obviously, you know, I love USA rugby and I want to grow. Uh, but yeah, look, I think that Scotland are a tough team. People don't give them the credit they deserve. They're never a team that really threatens when it comes to the World Cup. Uh, mm. They are on the up 
but I don't really see them winning that World Cup in 2023 and anytime soon, realistically. I think that England's going to be very tough, but I actually gave us a good chance of beating them instead of Scotland with this team. I just think that for some reason, uh, I don't really rate this England team right now. I think they're relatively overrated and I don't see them as the number, number three team. If Ireland keep progressing like they are, they play well against Japan. Japan played horrifically. But if Ireland mm-hmm. play like that, then I'm telling you right now, they're going to be number three very soon. And I didn't believe in Ireland too much beforehand. I think Wales, I think people overrate them a little bit. I still think they're probably around the fifth area. Uh, but yeah, look, overall, man, I am i wouldn't be surprised if we did go 0-3 here in the Northern Hemisphere simply because of all the outs that we have and all the changes that we've had to make mm. and the fact that uh, Rennie's you know, changing things, chopping and changing things to uh, adjust. However, overall, man, I, I still back the Aussies to, to make it competitive. And like I said, we only lost by two to Scotland in Scotland to, to make it a very close game. And we were up with 10 minutes to go. I'm with you on England too. I feel like ever since losing the World Cup final, they've kind of been hiding a little bit, just kind of licking their wounds. And everyone kind of assumes they're right there at the top. But I'm just not convinced. I'm very curious for these next couple of weeks, for sure. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They're still a fantastic team, man. They're still definitely a top five team. And But I'm a big believer in France. I'm a big believer in France going forward. And like I said, if Ireland can compete, like they did against Japan, I honestly would put them above England as we currently speak. So I've got to ask you, and I think you almost referenced it earlier. It might've been indirect, but um, did you listen to the breakdown, that limited series podcast about the problems with Australian rugby? Did you come across that? Uh, I've seen quite a few. <laughs> I've seen quite a few. I've lived through the breakdown of Australian rugby. So <laughs> I, I, I'm very well aware of probably what you could ask me anyway. <laughs> well, so I guess this is what I'm getting at. So it, Around the time that podcast came out, it really felt like things just couldn't get any lower. And then fast forward <laughs> to this past month, fans are on top of the world. We should be ranked number one. Uh, watch out Northern Hemisphere. So what's the reality? Is it somewhere right in between those things? What's going to happen after this autumn series? Um, where are the Wall- Wallabies going to be for the next, I don't know, 24 months leading up to the World Cup? I guess it's a little less than that now. Well, yeah. So basically the way I see it, you always think the two years following the World Cup is kind of just uh, moving forward and trying to set up what you're about to do and just kind of creating your your drive, right? So with Ireland and Wales in 2018, uh, they unfortunately both peaked too early. And I had a bit of an argument with a Wales fan on my stream the other day between Wales and South Africa uh, saying that, yeah, Wales definitely peaked too early. And he said, no, it was just because of injuries. It's like, no, man, we all, we all can see what Wales did. They were, they were number two. And I believe Ireland were number one in 2018. And then both tanked it when it got to the World Cup. And I never saw Wales or Ireland winning in that World Cup because they unfortunately they peak too early and this is the problem and this is something that people don't realize in international rugby is sometimes you need all the time you need to really pick your moment right in regards to just getting everything sorted by the time the world cup is on because ireland and wales they peaked one year too early and then unfortunately completely capitulated when it came to the world cup so now it's all about i don't think the wallabies have everything sorted in a year but i do believe the wallabies could have everything sorted in two years so uh that's perfect timing uh if they don't i still i I personally think they will i think they'll still obviously compete with south africa next year and argentina obviously you know a bit of a relative push over there in the the rugby championship and 
I, I think that New Zealand's a mindset. It's just about us getting rid of the mindset rather than the skill set. I don't believe that we are a crazy deal off New Zealand regarding skill wise. I just think that our minds, we don't believe we can beat them because we haven't, we haven't won the Bledsloe like Cup in 20 years. So it just comes down to us being able to know that we can win because we have been close until that final 20 minutes. And then as per usual, we throw it away with our own silly mistakes. And then New Zealand's not the kind of team that you want to give any kind of opportunity to because once they get that, that opportunity, they'll absolutely crush you and they do it every single time. Uh, you know, look at what they did to Italy, for example. It's Italy, but in the same sense, that's what happens. Uh, Wales last week too. So uh, this tournament, look, I just want to compete well. I would love to win at least one. I would love to win two. Uh, but this tournament is just about us competing well and uh, kind of moving the moving along the tracks, not necessarily being at the final station, but moving along the tracks. So a couple of quick things to wrap up. I'm, again, I'm sorry, I don't have more time this time around. I, I, <laughs> You're right. Um, so you mentioned him before. Is it Lolesio or Lolesio? Uh, I'm not too sure. I call him Lolesio. I hope it's a Lolesio. It could be a Lolesio, uh, but in the same sense, uh, Noah, your name for me is Lolesio. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, call, we'll, go, we'll go with Noah. Uh, exactly. do you, would you have him starting the next several tests? Uh, I want to see McDermott and O'Connor against England. Okay. I definitely don't want to be seeing Noah against England. No way. Absolutely not. Just for the confidence level, you think he's, you want to build him back up before you send him to the He's too young for England, man. He's too young for England. Like, yeah, look, I can say that they're overrated and whatnot, but it's still England at Twickenham. You know, that's a, I I know we knocked him out of their own World Cup in 2015. Yes, England, we know you beat us in 2003. Cool story. But like, we knocked him out in 2015 at Twickenham uh, to make them lose the group stages. Nice work, England. Uh, But uh, (laughs) yeah, look, Lalesio is a good player, but no way would you be bringing him back in after the public criticism he got, after the media slaughtering, yeah. uh, after the absolute uh, embarrassment that he had against the All Blacks. I wouldn't be bringing him in against England. That'd be a baptism of fire. So, uh, dang, I apologize. This has got to be my last thing because it's <laughs> definitely got to go. Um, it's so, all good, man. Like, if you ever need me to come back on, just shoot me a message. Oh, that will love to do. Um, and so I, I feel like a, a, a typical sort of uh, rugby noob American to ask about him. But I, I just have to because I've just been loving his play. Michael Hooper got himself a nice little lovely mention by the comms this weekend. And they reminded us that he has captained his side 63 times. He's played yep. 29 times against New Zealand, which is mind-boggling. And the kid, a kid, I mean, the guy has 117 caps. Now, I feel like recently I've been hearing a lot of, eh, Michael Hooper is overrated and that kind of chat. I think that is garbage. I think the man is top-notch on an historic level. Who's so, been saying that? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, it, it seems very fashionable to say, ah, Michael Hooper, a little undersized, maybe past his prime. Where do you think Hooper falls in terms of all-time Wallabies? Mate, that is the Kiwis saying that. There's no way anyone. There's, I don't know who else would be. That's either the Kiwis or the Poms saying that, man. It's the like, Poms. There's no. Yeah. Oh, I knew it. It was. I knew it would probably be the English there, man, because that's ridiculous. Like Michael Hooper is the epitome of what it means to be a battler. And this Wallabies team, like you would know and everyone knows, that has gone from being a world heavyweight to a world. Uh, not, I wouldn't say lightweight, but, you know, kind of in between anyway. But the point of the matter is, is that Michael Hooper is the definition of a battler. He always plays a good game. I don't see him play bad games. Even when he has a bad game, it's still actually probably a seven and a half, eight out think. of ten uh, for the Australians. And uh, whoever's saying that, realistically, they're either 
they don't know what they're talking about and probably should watch ballet or they are <laughs> English and just want to obviously try and get into uh, the the player for Australia that is a game changer and knows what he's doing to, to get under your skin and obviously win games. Yeah, I, I just love watching that guy play. There's there's some of those players. Uh, Tupo is actually another one where I'm just like, if he's out there, I just want to be watching. Oh, yeah, Tanny Olsu, that's fantastic. Ah, and uh, I wanted to ask you about Falau Fahinga'a too in, in terms of these players that whose perception seems to go up and down but I, i'm i'm really sorry my, my son is awaiting and for whatever <laughs> yeah, reason good, for, for whatever reason he completely refuses to drive himself home from kindergarten can you believe that crap yes that's crazy man that's crazy you know that's uh, that's ridiculous <laughs> in any event blaze my friend i have just loved this so much and you're right let's do a full version sometime soon um, i hope to get a chance to catch up with you on your pod and maybe chat some usa eagles though the, not too much good to report right now but <laughs> again it's just thanks the point, for finding man. the time. Like, Obviously, yeah, man, like we'll obviously do, you'll be jumping on after this automation series because we've got so much that we're going to be speaking about in the Rugby Down Under podcast. Like obviously you were meant to be coming on this week, but man, like with the amount of games we've got on, it's just so deep analysis and, and it's going to be, ta- it's going to probably go for two hours anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll get you on at the end. And obviously maybe if, if you want me to jump on after the automation series too, and uh, we can do a wrap on here, then yeah, let me know. Oh, that's a great idea. So before I let you go, is there anything at all you want to plug, uh, you know, the channel, anything, uh, events you've got coming up, anything special? Uh, <laughs> literally every single day I'm posting content. So yeah, just obviously <laughs> jump onto BKR Sport on YouTube. Uh, that's where I post all the videos. I've got uh, BK. Uh, I've also got the Rubby Down Under Podcast YouTube channel where you get the clips from the podcast that we put out every single day. And also, obviously, yeah, the Rubby Down Under Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and the likes with myself and my fellow Kiwi man, the Kiwi lads, who we speak literally two hours worth of in-depth discussion about all things international rugby. Well, I've been loving it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, that was just fantastic blaze thank you for all this incredible work you do you are one hard-working dude thank you for joining me on the scrum of the earth today it's been great appreciate you dude phew okay that definitely does it for this bonus pod. I hope you're enjoying the uncreatively named week of interviews. I know I am, that's for sure. It's been really fun so far. So thanks so much for coming along. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for sharing your ideas and hint hint for leaving me a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. As always, please reach out with your questions and your ideas. I'm at of scrum on Twitter. I can be emailed via the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. And of course I'm on Instagram at the scrum of the earth podcast. Uh, anyway, Thank you all for listening. There's a lot more great stuff to come. Thank you for listening all over the world. Cheers. Get in touch soon. Talk to you soon. And be well.